Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the MaxSci First Quarter Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Sean Menergas. Director of Investor Relations, please go ahead. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Sean Menargas, and I'm the Director of Investor Relations here at MaxSite. Thank you all for participating in today's conference call. On the call for MaxSite, we have Doug Dorfler, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Ron Holtz, Interim Chief Financial Officer. Earlier today, MaxSite released financial results the first quarter ended March 31st, 2022. A copy of the press release is available on the company's website. Before we begin, I need to read the following statement. Statements are comments made during this call may be forward-looking statements within the meeting of federal securities laws. Any statements contained in this call that relate to expectations or predictions of future events, results, or performance are forward-looking statements. Actual results may differ materially from those expressed or implied in any forward-looking statements due to a variety of factors which are discussed in detail in our SEC filings. The company undertakes no obligation to publicly update any forward-looking statements, whether because of new information, future events, or otherwise. And with that, I'll turn the call over to Doug. Thank you, Sean, and good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining MaxSite's first quarter earning call. I'll begin with a discussion of our business and operational headlines during the quarter and follow that uh, a detailed financial review from Ron. We will then open the call for questions. We are very pleased with the start to 2022, as our team continued to deliver on all financial and strategic objectives in our plan. MaxSite's expert platform continues to be the premier cell engineering technology, enabling the development of a growing set of advanced cell-based therapeutics. With our additional resources at hand, we continue to invest in our people, and capabilities at a measured but healthy rate as we seek to ensure the success of our partners. Ron will provide more details later in the call, but I note that we generated very strong first quarter 2022 results as pre-announced last month and outlined in the press release published today. These results are anchored in robust performance in our core cell engineering business, which was up 48% year over year. We generated significant SPL program-related revenue in the quarter, with revenue timing running a little sooner than our internal plan had forecasted, yielding strong year-over-year growth in the quarter. As you know, we have very limited visibility into the timing of our partners' clinical progress, and as such, it's a challenge for us to provide precise information regarding program-related revenue beyond general expectations for the year. First quarter revenue was record million, up 78% over the first quarter of 2021, with a very strong growth in the core business. Growth in revenue to sell therapy customers was 57% year-over-year, and to drug discovery customers was 23% year-over-year. Cell therapy growth was primarily driven by both instrument and PA sales. We are seeing expansion of our global customer base across all stages of development, and encouraged by our traction with cell therapy customers at early development stage, which continues to strengthen our robust SPL pipeline. 
During the quarter, we recognized $2 million in clinical milestone revenues. As we have previously indicated, our partnership agreements are strictly confidential, and so we will not be answering any specific questions relating to our SPL partners, their clinical progress, or their respective development programs. However, we remain excited about the progress our partners have been making in the clinic. We continue to sign new SPL partners and see additional SPL programs enter trials. Further, we have seen our existing clinical SPL portfolio progress into later stage, including pivotal clinical studies suggesting we may see a partner's first commercial product as early as 2023. Overall, our core business revenue growth and recognition of the SPL program-related revenues are signed of both strong execution by our growing commercial team and robust customer demand. This strength seen in new sales and leases of instruments, as well as strong PA sales. The timing of customer PA purchases and leased instruments as they prepare for, for pivotal trials and commercialization can be hard to predict and we would expect them to remain lumpy until our SBL portfolio and clinical progress of those partners is broad enough to smooth out that lumpiness from individual programs. Given our strong performance, we wanted to highlight that we have not seen any weakness in the demand for our products and associated support from our customers. We have strong relationships with our partners and customers and believe MaxSite's expert platform is a core aspect of their therapeutic development strategy. We continue to meet and exceed our customers' expectations for supply and scientific support, and we continue to have a growing new business development pipeline. Our SPL pipeline remains strong, and we continue to expect additional SPL partnership announcements this year at comparable economics to prior partnerships. In the first quarter, we signed an agreement with Intima Bioscience, which we highlighted on our last call. We now have 16 SPL partners covering more than 95 development programs in the aggregate, of which more than 15% have entered the clinic. In the near term, we are optimistic about the potential for our SPL partners to generate meaningful and growing revenue from both their preclinical research and clinical progress, as well as, hopefully, commercialization of partner therapeutics over the next 12 to 24 months and beyond. We are making important investments to support our future revenue growth, including investing in our commercial teams, developing and expanding in-house manufacturing, and in our in-house bioprocessing and cell therapy applications and process development labs. These investments will advance our ability to take advantage of expanding markets, the emergence of new therapeutic development programs and companies, and support our partners as they move toward and into commercial launch of therapeutic products. This investment will come with continued growth and headcount across most areas of the organization, particularly in R&D and sales and marketing, including alliance management. These kinds of investments have delivered strong growth to date as we support our partners' potential success, and we continue to be upbeat about the value of these investments we're making in 2022 and beyond. In closing, we have had an excellent first quarter for 2022 as we continue to execute on our financial and strategic goals. We're very excited about our opportunity going forward, particularly in the cell therapy market, and are making the right investments to drive growth across the business. I will now turn the call over to Ron to discuss our financial results. Ron? Thanks, Doug. Hello, everyone. As Doug mentioned, we realized record revenue of $11.6 million in the first quarter compared to $6.5 million in the prior year's quarter, 
based on strong performance in both our core business and through the clinical progress milestones delivered by our SPL partners. Core business revenue was $9.6 million in the first quarter of 2022, compared to $6.5 million in the first quarter of 21. This includes revenue from cell therapy customers of $7.4 million, growing 57% year-over-year, while revenue from drug discovery customers was $2.2 million, growing 23% year-over-year. We saw broad growth across the business, with particular strength in instrument sales in cell therapy and in processing assembly sales in both cell therapy and drug discovery during the quarter. We recognized $2 million of SPL program-related revenue in the first quarter of 2022, compared to immaterial program-related revenue in Q1 2021. Moving down the P&L, gross margin was 91% in the quarter versus 89% in the first quarter of the year prior. The increase in gross margin was driven by the higher SPL program-related revenues. Excluding that SPL revenue, gross margin was relatively unchanged. Total operating expenses for the first quarter of 2022 were $14.7 million, compared to $12.2 million in the first quarter of 2021. And recall that Q1 2021 included $3.9 million of expense from winding down investments in our Karma platform. As Doug mentioned, our current strategy is to continue to make meaningful investments across the business to take advantage of the opportunities we see to accelerate organic growth over the coming years. The overall increase in operating expenses was primarily driven by increased headcount to support growth in field sales and field science, manufacturing, and lab teams. Growth in public company-related and stock-based compensation expense also contributed to the higher level of expenses compared to the same period a year ago, as our NASDAQ listing did not occur until the third quarter of 2021. We have a very healthy balance sheet with total cash and cash equivalents and short-term investments of $246 million as of the end of the first quarter, and no debt. Note that in Q1, we began to see the first portion of cash investments in construction of our new facility. Total investments this year in our new headquarters is expected to be approximately $12 million in 2022. We are increasing our outlook for 2022. We now expect revenue from our core business, which includes sales and leases of instruments and sales of disposables to cell therapy and drug discovery customers to grow at least 25% compared to 2021 core business revenue. We saw strong business momentum in the first quarter and remain cautiously optimistic about the balance of 2022. Turning to our SPL program economics, as we have discussed in previous calls, the timing of SPL revenues is predicated on our customers' clinical and regulatory progress where we have limited visibility. Taking into account the earlier-than-expected Q1 program-related revenue, we continue to expect 2022 SPL milestone revenue of approximately $4 million. Doug? Well, thank you, Ron. In summary, we remain excited about the opportunity to lead the industry forward as the premier cell engineering platform technology, supporting the development of advanced cell-based therapeutics for patients that may not otherwise have treatment options. As always, we want to take this opportunity to thank our team, board, suppliers, investors, and the amazing industry that we have the honor of serving. We are very pleased to report strong first quarter results, and MaxSite remains well positioned for growth, and we are excited about the opportunities ahead. We are now opening up the line for questions. Thank you. As a reminder to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. 
to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. And our first question comes from Max Masucci from Cowan. Your line is now open. Hi, this is Stephanie on from Max Masucci. Thanks for taking the questions and congrats on a great quarter. Um, if you look broadly at some of the more recent therapies your SBO partners have launched in the clinic and compare them to the therapies you supported during the 2017 to 2020 timeframe, what sort of diversity of cell types and molecules are you seeing? Are there any emerging trends to call out? Good question, Stephanie, and, and thanks for the question. Um, we are seeing quite a bit of uh, movement since 2017. Um, our, our first, one of our first deals was with CRISPR, and we're seeing that continuing. We're seeing multiple edits being done to cells. We're seeing uh, companies move from uh, T cells and some T cell subsets and NK cells. Uh, a lot of focus now on different sorts of gamma delta T cells and B cells. So the cell population, the, the, the subsets are, are increasing. I think, again, we're seeing more complex edits, which I just mentioned. Uh, we're seeing different tools being used. Some of them have been around for quite some time, like zinc finger nucleases and transposon transposase. And so uh, we're just seeing a lot of, a lot of difference. We're also seeing um, movement in some new indication areas. You know, principally it was inherited disease with CRISPR and their, stem, uh, their sickle cell program obviously into autologous, um, autologous stem cell, also an allogeneic T-cell treatments, and we're also seeing for, for cancer, we're also seeing movements into autoimmune disease, and some of our earlier stage customers are working in neurodegenerative disease and infectious disease, so we really think this whole field is just uh, beginning to explode as people become more, much more comfortable with um, you know, these engineering tools uh, and manufacturing methods. Got it. That's super helpful. And also with the recent pullback in publicly traded biomanufacturing peers and likely some degree of a pullback in private asset values, has your approach towards M&A changed at all? Are you leaning more towards tuck-in, complementary M&A, or are you entertaining some later, more transformational deals? Yeah, I think, um, well, you know, we're seeing some, some movement in the, in, the, in the private financing now. Um, it's, it's reflective, I think, of a few months behind the, you know, the decrease in financing in the public market. I think just to, to put an exclamation point, we're not seeing any, any reduction of demand for our products with our, with our partners, so that's good. Um, we've always thought about um, you know, expanding our, our uh, corporate development group. Um, our targets are confidential, but I think it's fair to say that we have talked about you know, staying very close to our knitting, staying close to the cell engineering space, not moving too far upstream and downstream, and really looking for opportunities where we can solve, you know, really big pain points that customers are having in the cell therapy field. Um, how we do that, um, I, I think we're open to all the, all the different opportunities, but um, I think if we do a deal, if we do several deals, they're going to be, uh, again, around um, you know, solving these engineering problems for our customers. Got it. That's great. Super helpful. And if I could squeeze in one more. Um, so during the last call, you highlighted that you were working with several beta customers on the expert VLX to build application data. Can you provide some more detail on the progression of the beta launch or share any additional milestones on the VLX product roadmap? Well, sure. So we, you know, we, we, uh, we, um, we released that product in the, in the, in the fourth quarter of this year and, 
um, you know, much of the focus at that point was really investing in the business and refining our strategic plan. Um, so we we did the release in 2020, uh, 2022. We think it's a it's a very interesting marketplace, and we think this is a highly disruptive technology in, the, in large-scale bioprocessing. Um, so we're working with these customers with the expert VLX to build applications data to support support that movement. Um, you know, the, we think the, opportun- the opportunity is, is large. It's going to take time to in, 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 you know evolve that opportunity with our with our partners. I think one of the areas that we're um, very excited about is the um, uh, the, the rapid production of monoclonal antibodies. Uh, we think there's immediate need for that in the marketplace. It's a, I think it's a broad TAM expansion opportunity for the company. And we're doing quite a bit of this in small scale with the STX today, so it's, it's a bit of a natural progression for us to, to, to move as our companies, our partners, want to move kind of from the mid-scale, which is the STX, up to larger volumes. And, uh, again, you know, work has to be done um, in this area in applications. It's, um, there's a significant amount of work that's done pre- and post-electroporation engineering and, and process development. That's one of the one of the areas that we focused investments is to ensure that we have the ability to support our customers all the way through their process. Got it. Thanks so much for that caller. Really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes from Matt LaRue from William Blair. Your line is now open. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, so, so you hear you loud and clear that no change in terms of demand uh, for, from customers, but just because this has been such a topic this uh, earnings season, craft, you know, often you have six to seven programs per customer, and certainly would make sense that with lead assets there would be no change. But just curious if you're seeing any reprioritization or deprioritization of, of pipelines from customers um, at, at all beyond sort of the maybe lead or sec- secondary assets. Yeah, we're not, Matt, we're really not seeing it at this point. I mean, I think that. You know, our focus is typically on the lead asset or number two on the company, like you like you suggested. And as far as we can see, these companies aren't pulling back on those. Um, a, lot, a lot of the work, if they're pulling back, they may be pulling back on some pre uh, preclinical programs. But again, uh, that's that's pretty. It's usually pretty confidential with our partners, and we wouldn't have much um, vision in that or, or, or ability to see what's going on. You know, the, the other issue is that our, our our business has grown quite a bit. We had a very strong core business growth in the first quarter. So I think that's evidence that things continue to be, um, you know, moving forward at a pretty pretty uh, pretty good rate. Okay. Uh, and then just in terms of uh, hiring, just curious what, what you're seeing out there and if you've been able to hire at pace with what you were expecting. I think um, – it came in a little bit light of what we were we were thinking, and just curious if that's any sort of efficiencies that you've you've, you've built in, or or if you're behind schedule at all on the hiring front. Well, I'll talk. I'll let Ryan talk about you know the expense expense side of it, but you know we we have a very active hiring group. We we've expanded our our human resources and team building. Uh, uh, we're also you know being I think we're being very creative in terms of of um, how people work in the company. You know, over the last couple of years, as many of you know, it's been primarily virtual. We're still seeing that as, as a, a primary way of bringing in great people. Um, and, of course, that, that has its own series of leadership and management challenges. But, you know, if you, if you I think you find the right people, you bring them in and you provide them the tools that they need to work 
um, virtually. Um, I think I think we're going to do, do pretty well. Um, Ryan, would you like to talk at all about the about the um, the expense changes for the first quarter? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I uh, we're being successful hiring the people that we want. It's I think it's a more competitive environment that we've seen. Uh, in prior years, um, that means we might be a little bit behind what our plan was for ramping headcount. I don't think it's a material effect, but um, that competitive environment makes it take a little bit more time to find people. We are being successful hiring the people we want when we find a candidate. Uh, more often than we've seen in the past, they have other offers in hand, but we're winning the people that we want, so I think that's, uh, that's going well. Okay, thanks, Ron. Last one would just be just about two months ago, there was a competitive launch in the, in this space. Um, we'd just be curious of the last couple months as, as you've been out and perhaps heard feedback on that device or had it compared to your own technology. Is um, there anything you would highlight about what you're hearing or, or what you see as key differentiators which have been maintained uh, even relative to this newer launch? Yeah, so um, I'll say a couple of things, Matt. But but I'm obviously not going to give we're not going to give the, the playbook to the competition. This is a product that they've been talking about. It's the Thermo Fisher product for quite some time. They're showing it up. It's showing up in in um, in, in the major meetings. Um, we're not seeing it playing any any role in the in the commercial or bake offs with customers. So we're not seeing the impact of that. I think you know the thing that I think differentiates us is performance and. Flexibility and scale and CGMP and our focus on supporting our customers in the cell engineering space. So, um, you know, we welcome the competition and it's, I think it just brings more, 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 um, more um, validation that this is a pretty, pretty interesting and, and, and area that's going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of future benefit for, for our company. That makes sense. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. And our next question comes from Dan Arias from Stiefel. Your line is now open. Afternoon, guys. Thanks for the questions. Doug, you, you mentioned um, some lumpiness that can arise with respect to the individual programs that you have and your prepared marks. I'm just kind of curious whether, as some of your partners have pushed into the later stages, you've gotten comfortable with the purchasing around key milestone events. In other words, how consistent are you finding the spending to be into a scale up to a new trial stage and then maybe out as well. Should we think about there being step ups ahead of a milestone and step down afterwards, or is that something to be mindful of, or is it more or less consistent? I think the lumpiness is really around uh, the milestones themselves because we, we you know we, we have you know have a, we have a, a number of those, but you know we have 15 in, in the clinic. I think at some point we're going to need a larger number of them to actually smooth that out. I'm, I'm not a mathematician, so I don't know how to be get to that number. Um, you know, I think it's still new to us, and so we're, we're seeing, um, you know, ramp-ups, obviously, preclinical into the clinic. Um, we're actually seeing quite a bit of non-clinical work that's being going on with some of these products as well. I mean, once they don't, they don't, these companies don't call it all preclinical, they call it non-clinical because they're doing experimentation alongside the product that's been, um, you know, in clinical development. So, um, I think because of the relatively small number of, of programs, we're, we're, we don't really have a good handle on what demand looks like. I think that's one of the reasons why we, we've elected, elected to start doing more in-house manufacturing so we have the flexibility to support these customers. 
And obviously, we won't want more of that once we start moving into a commercial, you know, commercial launch of, a, of one of these, of some of these products in the next couple of years. Hopefully, that answered your question. Yeah. You had a couple of things. Yeah, it does. Uh, and okay. you're right. And I think some of it just is, it seems like it's naturally TBD on on what happens from here. Maybe just on a you know on a different topic: new business development and new account wins. If I go back a year ago to when we were talking about the business at the time of the listing, you guys had mentioned share within the clinical non-viral delivery market that was like 40% or so, and then there was another 15% that was in discussion, as you put it, which kind of felt like it had good conversion potential. Are you able to sort of update us on, on that chunk and, and how you converted the business that looked like it was it was coming your way, you know, call it 6 to 12 months ago? Yeah, I, I can't I can't update it in quantitatively, but I can say qualitatively that we're, we're we're meeting all of our goals and we're winning that business and converting companies to, you know, even in early stage to our technology. Um, you know, we're also we've invested um, in, in well we've invested a bit in in working in these translational medical centers, where you have a CGMP manufactured suite within an academic setting and. Uh, you know, we've begun to have a, a much more focused marketing effort and sales effort in that because at the end of the day, that's where many of these companies are, are spawned from, right? They're, they're coming out of an academic lab, and once they either get into the clinic or they're about to go into the clinic, um, you know, someone's forming a company around them. And so if we can get that uh, our technology kind of embedded in that early enough, um, we think that's going to just feed that SPL, um, SPL pipeline for the future. Okay, maybe if I could just sneak one more in here since it feels like we have the time here. Uh, On the strategic plan that you were kind of touching on, you had alluded to it, I think, in your comments with the VLX, but I think part of what you were trying to do this year or or into this year was move upstream and downstream of where you are today in self-therapy or at least evaluating how you could do that. Is that something we should keep an eye out for? And if so, would that be an organic effort or, or more on the inorganic side? Yeah, so you know we're building out a corporate development group. Um, we've been spending a lot of time on on strategy and where we want to play, and I think uh, I think we can win around again around what well, I just said with the first caller around the around the cell engineering step and steps. Some of these are going to be organic where we've already identified some opportunities that we can kind of build into what we do. Um, we, we do believe that there's a, a real need in the marketplace for um, you know product consistency, product characterization. Um, ways of being able to control um, um, product potency, which has become more and more of an issue. And, we, you know, we think there's some analytical techniques that we may be looking uh, to, to uh, become more basic in. Um, these opportunities will, will most likely be in the manufacturing area, not in the early stage discovery area. So I think, you know, I think we've got to – if you think about our company, we're in, on the quadrant, we're up in the, you know, high-value um, proprietary manufacturing enablement. We want to stay up in that in that sector and really focus our team on that. So there's a we think there's there's quite a bit of opportunity there. Uh, technologies are maybe being used in other other ancillary industries like in bioprocessing and port over. And there's also a number of of uh, technologies and products that are being developed by by smaller companies that have to make that decision. Um, whether or not they want to make those investments in sales and marketing. And, uh, you know, in today's environment where capital isn't quite as, <laughs> capital markets aren't quite as robust as they were six or nine or 
12 months ago. And I think there's, there's going to be uh, uh, boards of smaller companies going to be thinking hard about it. They want to make that investment, take that risk, because execution is, is uh, it, it can be very difficult in that marketplace. And I think we've been able to achieve a certain level of success in it. Okay. Helpful, Doug. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. And our next question comes from Jacob Johnson from Stephens. Your line is now open. Hi, this is Mac on for Jacob. Um, just a couple quick ones from me. On the drug development side, uh, can you talk about how much of the investments in R&D and sales and marketing are focused on this side of the business, and how much do you think this could accelerate growth in the segment? Yeah, so some, some of the um, – I think we're, we're starting to see the – the benefits of some investments we've made over the last couple of years on, on, on new processing assemblies. So we've had a, we continue to have a rather robust voice of customer and a lot of the voice of customer is focused on drug discovery. We've been talking about that for a bit because that market's been, I think, you know, flat, slightly, slightly, slightly growing and we wanted to really try to accelerate that a bit. And I think we were reasonably successful in the first year, uh, the first quarter of picking that up a bit. We'll continue to do that, and I think the more we can, the more we can focus um, the use cases and drug discovery, which includes bioprocessing. I think the better off we're going to be in order to be able to build that business. The DLX is that that launch, the initial uh, launch when it happens, will be probably over in the bioprocessing side, not in cell therapy, because in our in our minds, drug discovery would include. Um, you know, mid and large scale production of uh, monoclonal antibodies. So I think you're going to see, um, I think hopefully quite a bit of growth in that sector as we continue to make investments in, in the drug discovery side. Thanks. Um, also, last quarter you commented on that you're seeing interest outside the U.S. How large of an opportunity are the European and Asian Pacific markets for you? Yeah, well, we've been in in, uh, in Europe for quite some time, and there just continues to be strong growth throughout the EU and the UK. So, um, you know, we're we're pretty basic in in sales, in in, in FAS and, and marketing operations there. So, um, you know, I think I think we've, we've we're making the right sort of investments to, to be there. Um, we, you know, we're seeing growth in in cell therapy, certainly in in, in China. Um, you know, we're we're um, Figuring out the best way of approaching that—that's a—it's a—it's a tough market to, um, I think, be successful in. I don't think it's a particularly tough market to get into, but I think it's a tough market to maintain some level of sustainability, and that's what we're really focusing our attention on. We've had some success. I think um, we've had a lot of success in in, in Japan and uh, in some extent Korea. Um, so I think uh, you continue to see us focusing. Uh, our, our, our interest in, in Asia and, in, of course, in Europe. I mean, Europe is kind of one of the backbones now of, of uh, cell therapy. Great. Thanks, Doug. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. And as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question at this time, you may press star and then the number one key on your touchtone telephone. And our next question comes from Mark Massaro from BTIG. Your line is now open. Hey guys, this is Vivian on from Mars. Thanks for taking the question. Um, so for your existing SPL portfolio, um, can you share any detail on the rough split of your customers um, that are in the clinic at present um, or in later stage development? Thanks. Yeah, so um, the only – what we, we do share, and we, we said that there's 16 partners out at the end of the last year, in 2021, 
and of those 16 partners, 95 programs are associated with those partners, and 15% are in the clinic. And then I, I know there's been um, quite a bit of, I think, speculation and and, uh, and views by some analysts in terms of what, what products we're supporting. Uh, you know, we, we have publicly disclosed that we're, we're supporting the, the CTX001, which is um, obviously the, the, the drug for sickle cell disease. Um, I think we've been a, a, a bit less uh, forthright in some of the other programs because all these deals, as we mentioned, are, are confidential, so we really uh, don't, uh, don't, don't feel comfortable talking about those in, in any setting. Okay, gotcha. And um, can you just touch on the SPL funnel? Um, I think you previously discussed aiming to sign um, three to four SPLs per year. Um, just any updates there, and how are the conversations around these progressing? Yeah, so the, the, the pipeline continues to be very robust. It's never been larger. We just signed Intima in the first quarter of this year. We continue to uh, to, to guide to, to uh, I think, three or four. I'll let Ron talk about that specifically. Um, and we're building out um, our, our business development group and alliance management group, so we think that there's a, a tremendous amount of opportunity to, to that. A lot of that has to do more with the, with the progression of our partners, and it does actually in our negotiations, is as they move from kind of preclinical and IND enabling studies, that's, that's the turning point where they will um, you know, want to have access to um, um, our patents, our technology, our master plan, those sorts of things. Okay, great. Thanks for reading the question. Sure. Thank you. And I'm showing no further questions at this time. I'd like to turn the conference back over to Doug DeFloor for closing remarks. Well, great. Well, thank you all for the for the questions and your interest and your support of, of MagSite. It's been indeed a, a, an amazing 2021 and a great start to 2022, uh, and despite the, the obviously the investor sentiment in the, in the industry and we're we're quite uh, hopeful, and, and uh, I think we're, we're, we're very confident that we're going to see some really amazing clinical data coming out of our partners over the next uh, several quarters, and that I think that's going to pretend well for um, the cell therapy industry in general and, and Nexite in particular. So, again, thank you all for your support, and uh, look forward to any subsequent discussions we will have. Uh, we will be meeting with investors um, in the next several days, and if you have any particular uh, questions, you can certainly contact us at ir at maxsite.com. Thank you, um, Sean. Thank you, Ron. And thank you all for, uh, and, and Gigi, thank you as the operator for this call. Be safe. Thank Thanks you. Everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating, and you may now disconnect.